yeah, I've found that a lot of my word count would just kind of go up as I approach the same situation. But like, okay, if the players don't want to kill the goblin, but instead they want to work with the goblin, what's that going to be like? And it's a radical. You got to learn where you just got to say, I'm going to stop it. I'm just going to hand this over to the DM to decide what they're going to do with the goblin, what they're going to decide for that goblin's motivation to be. Welcome to Dungeons and Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lilly, and that was a sample from today's conversation with Griffin Gisler over at, at Orion Miniatures. Today, we talk about, well, miniatures, RPG writers workshopping, making your D&D your homework assignment, using myths as foundations, and a whole lot more. If you want to hear more of my conversation with Griffin after this episode, or you just want to support the podcast in general to help fund future endeavors, consider a donation over at patreon.com slash dungeonsofdinners. At the $5 level and above, you'll get access to an exclusive mini-sode every single week. That's four additional episodes a month for only $5. So if you enjoy our conversation today, or you're just interested in general, check on over to patreon.com slash Dungeons and Dinners and help keep this podcast ad-free and get access to all previous episodes as well. With that said, let's get on with the conversation. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. And as I said in the intro, I'm very excited to be joined at the Dungeons and Dinners table today by Griffin Gisler of Orion Miniatures. Griffin, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to have you on because uh, I've not yet had a person that shares uh, intently this other passion of mine, which is miniature painting. Yes, I I love it so much. It's a hobby that I got into. Ooh, I want to say two years ago now, um, and I've been improving my. Uh, not to sound per, 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 <laughs> no uh, shout per, from the mountaintops, but like I've been improving my my talents with it. Like over that time period, I I have produced a, a number of works that I am very proud of. There was a, there was a small period in time in which I was doing commissions and things like that. That like I at some point in time, like I would love to get back into. But yeah. uh, as I'm also juggling college at this point in time, like it's just wasn't meant to be for right now. Right. No, that's understandable. That's a lot to to go through uh, to have to, to be trying to kind of hold down the fort and trying to to jumpstart into some additional works is I, I'm experiencing mm-hmm. a fair bit of that myself. Um, but no, I do love your work. And for two years, uh, in, in the hobby, your stuff, looks absolutely incredible. So I'm, yeah. I'm Thank you. Uh, um, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah I've like, been in and out of the hobby for over 20 years, but none of it's been consistent. Mm-hmm. So I've stayed pretty much mm-hmm. about the same level the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. Like I am always looking for like something that I can do to that can like improve how things look but like also just given my current situation like that same thing has to be not something that involves a big monetary investment into it like just recently like i started uh uh using um uh ink washes um Mm -hmm. 
um, uh, I I got the um, uh, the uh, starter kits that WizKids put out there, and I I painted this this, this Hags cauldron that has like like green this green goo in it with yellow popping bubbles, and that looked pretty wonderful. No, that's um, awesome. Yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, it's it's it is a struggle because it's a hobby that looks like it's really cheap to break into but i can agree that in a lot of spaces like the tools don't make the artist right yeah but also miniature paints just have a much higher density of pigment than like walmart acrylics or even hobby store acrylics like Mm -hmm. miniature paints are specifically made so that you can have the tiniest dot of paint be bright yeah, and like I, I actually don't use miniature paints specifically. Like I use uh, basics, uh, uh, basics, uh, uh, acrylics. Which like w- one time I, I was talking to um, uh, to another artist online, and I was like, "Hey, here's what I do. Do you have any tips?" And he was like, "I'm sorry, you do what?" Oh now, my god, I will, you are making it so hard on you. No, I will I will vouch for the basics acrylics. Um I I actually carry a couple of sets of those in various types because some miniature paints get it can be difficult to get a good uh like texture from. Like the the they can be mm-hmm. really thick or sometimes too thin. And it, it's really kind of you've got to get used to using your own guessos or, or different blending, you know, yeah. like clear blends, but the, the basic sets, especially like some of their metallics and things really are, are good. And, and there's not a lot mm-hmm. of miniature paints that come in like neons. Uh, you've yeah. got to either like buy your own neon pigments and make your own neon paint or go for mm-hmm. something like, I, I think I have like two or three sets of the neon uh, basics stuff. Cause they're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for me, like it's all just more or less the same thickness. And if I ever need anything thinner, like it's water. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, they, they're like, really easy to work with. Yeah, like I f- feel like what I do is super amateur level, but like I produce work that is just a little bit above that. Just don't look too closely at some of the faces <laughs> in there. <laughs> no, I feel that. I, it's been. I've got one that I'm working on uh, right now uh, for a friend and it's hard not to like let go of perfection because you can always find a detail that has a little bit of paint where it doesn't need to be or gets kind of Mm -hmm. washed over or you put down too thick of a paint and you lose some micro thin line or something. I had just recently put like a like spent the most time that I think that I've ever spent on a single face and then like about like 20 minutes plus into that like i i've just decided no this is looking awful like i, I gotta scratch all the uh, paint off and just restart because like i was just adding adding layer after layer after layer i was starting to lose shape and ultimately with where i ended i was very proud of it it was a it was the the aurelia um miniature from a uh uh uh, from whiz kids uh uh and like that was i painted that one on the same day as the uh critical uh, season two finale like uh, i just 
got out all of of my 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 paintings and then for a seven hour i think that episode was just yeah montage, it was just huge painted thing after thing after thing like i had also just gotten the um the uh the uh, ben richton's guide so so i bought mm. uh bought vampires I, I bought the uh vampire hunters which was ben richton and as um themselves and i now have those on my display shelf uh, <laughs> Because I I was very proud with all this stuff that that I did with I I got some detail on them that is at a level that even that was just a little more than I had previously been able to achieve. No, that's that's great. Like I I have painted many a miniature uh, to listening to Critical Role. It's a really good way mm -hmm. to stay inspired and kind of stay in the mojo because. Mm -hmm. I oftentimes I I'll, I'll stop painting after like 15 minutes. I'll just like come yeah. in, wet my brushes, set everything up and then put like one color down and then be like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. I, I have a cobweb. Mm -hmm. I feel great. <laughs> but if I could sit yeah. and, and listen to something, I can stay kind of inspired to keep going. Yeah, I so, so, so with my uh, ed, with my education, like I uh, um. I started doing creative writing and with that I figured maybe I should probably read more uh, if I'm going to be a writer, which yeah, duh. Um, <laughs> it can help. Uh, so, so, so I got Audible and, and just listening to books like has been another great way for me to keep my mind occupied while I'm keeping my hands active. Um, uh, you can like, only listen is, to so much music while painting. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, <laughs> I already listen to too much just ambient sounds being a DM. Um, and unfortunately, like, like, I don't have as wide of a musical library as some others do, like my, my partner, my girlfriend she has spotify playlist for just about everything and like that includes like like moods to like specific like her dnd characters she makes uh, uh, a playlist for for me like i just have my collection i i just have whatever i find and then i throw it on there and then you, you might go from like this kind of more um somber uh e e emotional piece to like high energy uh uh dubstep whatever i and it's and so tr trying to get into a mood that is specifically from more pop like like more popular art artists and not ambient or non-lyrical stuff i don't have that right. i have like if you want to listen to to celtic to celtic music i got a thousand playlists for that, but yeah, I found that I tend to I have like some like I have a relaxing, like just kind of quiet ambient. But outside of that, I have kind of everything in one playlist. I started changing that to, to like a yearly because I had like my old my old list got to like a thousand songs. I was like, I can't find what I want anymore. So now I, I have it by year. And in, in January 1st, I start a new playlist 
for that year. And then that's just the the catch all folder. So at least I could break mm-hmm. it. So at least they're smaller. I could kind of search. Yeah. Like, what year did I feel this emotion? I'll go yeah, search in there. That's that is wonderful. Just for like, do you want to feel nostalgia for 2015, or do you want yeah. to feel the horrors of 2020 again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. There's a lot of grunge in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> So you did bring up uh, one thing that I definitely want to kind of head into that I think, you know, probably ties pretty closely with with miniatures is uh, your association with D&D. So Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind kind of going into your history, uh, like like when you got started, how'd you get in? Yeah, um, I want to say that I've been playing for. I'm going to say roughly six years now, Um, like the first game that I was ever in was a 4e game um and no so and, that so so it's so maybe kind of where you got some of your miniature stuff from <laughs> well no because like no like we 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 started there we were using candies for the, for uh, like yep. our, our our characters on the the boards um uh the the rogue would would often like be the one who not intentionally but would end up be stealing the 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 kills and <laughs> and most of the candy goes there meanwhile <laughs> i was playing a, a paladin and not dealing quite as much damage as i w- would hope but also like it was my very per- per- first game i could not tell you anything that was actually going on mechanically with that and i haven't played 4e s- since i, I played like one maybe two sessions of it and then like after that second session the dm was like hey they just released a a a fifth edition we're just going to swap over to that and i was like great so i'll be able to to continue to play as a deva and he was like "Mm, you you can be a dragonborn that's kind of (laughs) paladin-esque and so i I had that change there. Everyone changed from one form to another. Like someone was like a sand Ganassi. Someone was like a, sh- a shadow person. Um, so we all found something that like kind of fit. Um, and oh my my gods, that that first game it was awful. We were the worst players. <laughs> um, like w- I had heard of D and D before that. But like, I I had no idea of the true like emotional investment that I was going to eventually have with it, and the DM was a very um, hostile DM as well. Like like the guards were just searching for a reason to like arrest and attack us, and like. Mm, I have no idea where this guy is at now. This was like a friend of a friend. And he w- 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 was like, hey, I, I want to run B. And he told my friend that. And then my friend w- was like, hey, I got six other people. We can bring them all in. Um, and so then after that, despite like everything being everywhere, the chaos just rampant that 
energy, I knew that I craved more of it. So like I I told my parents like, hey, I want like 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 D for for Christmas. And by golly, they made it 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 happened. Um uh we got the horde of the Dragon Queen, um, uh, and then it's sequel Rise of Tiamat and I asked my older brother who was in that same friend group to to be the DM for it and that game went for like three years wow and it was a wonderful time it was an awful time at times (laughs) um um uh we did eventually stop Tiamat from being risen uh and to which the uh uh, uh my brother the the dm w- was like well that's kind of bittersweet i bought this miniature but okay um in fact uh we can see it right there like this was the attack wing one that really oh, okay. doesn't do tiamat's justice as far as her size right but yeah um so after that um, I started to run my uh, 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 D&D myself far away dur- during that. Um, uh, I want to say that I, st- I got Princes of the Apocalypse a year and a half into that game, I want to say. And then we played that for a bit. We took a month break in there because I had a trip uh, to, to Sweden and then I came back, and I had a uh, uh, out of the abyss just dropped then, and, and I, like I, I was, I was really just kind of feeling that one. And I was like, "Hey guys, do y'all want to go into the underdark?" And there was some, oh maybe I don't know. And then one player was like, "Yes, I lost my character sheet. This sounds like a great restart." <laughs> that um, is a good way to do things. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Well, I guess we have only one." answer there uh so uh uh we did that game it eventually lost steam we restarted princes of the apocalypse eventually we fell off of that restarted out out of the uh, out of the abyss i had a lot of games during this period of time that would just start and then it would fall off whether people lost steam uh people had other co- commitments come up um uh i myself had changes in my own life's past uh, uh come up be- be- because i transitioned from high school to college during that time period i made some friends in college that i roped into a a, a minds of Fandelver game um and then summer came and we we were like just at the end of that and we weren't comfortable with world 20 at that point in time so that just kind of fell off so i restarted my, the the lost minds of Vandelver for my girlfriend and and her brother um and then that game turned uh with the people that we found there turned into um uh the 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 game group that stuck for 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 a long time we had cohesion and we i think that game went a year to maybe a year and a half uh 
something like that. And then from there, we went into Dragon Heist. And now, after that, after going a little bit into Undermountain uh, and dungeon, uh, uh, a dungeon of the Mad Mage, that's when COVID started to, to a hit. And for the first bit, we were really trying to, uh, to make it work. Uh, everyone was doing their best to, uh, to quarantine themselves with like, hey, we are going to be the only interaction that like we have beyond grocery stores, beyond anything else. And we made it like it, it was a good ship for, 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 for a strong bit. But then one of the, the, the players, he, 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 he worked con construction and no one there, he, he, he said like, would wear masks, would do stuff like that. And my girlfriend and I, we just had to say, hey, we just got to cut it now. We just can't, my girlfriend is, uh, is immunocompromised, so we can't risk that. So the second player we had to likewise cut out at, at at the same time because he was the brother of the player who was working in construction and they were living ah. two together because um, uh, they were living with their college roommates and uh, and, and just as they were go going through through grad school um, uh, and it's we just had to unfortunately cut them all out and that's where we were um and we went into limbo for a good period of time um so uh in returning from covid like uh i had to cobble to together a new group because people's lives branch in different ways um now uh i i'm running a uh, 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 last year's adventure, uh, uh, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And we're having a blast. Um, uh, my players are just loving the freedom that that game gives, that it's not that, like, the whole open world, open adventure format is jiving wonderfully with them. And it inspired me to write an adventure to, that can be slotted in because I I was looking at it and thought this really isn't just one long adventure. It's a mass cobbling of like short adventures, short one shots or whatever. And you can really just slot whatever you want in there without messing with the narrative. You might be able to improve it uh, depending with what you you put in there. Um, I wrote one that in, involved a a a a beer hag from uh, uh, from Bola's Guide. I named him Uncle Grismeldi, um, <laughs> uh, and he had this Banderhob son who who would go down the mountains and kidnap children or or uh, uh, do other requisitions for for the the hag and now it's the player's goal 
to go up there and to put a halt to it, whether that means they they put the hag and his son to the sword, or if they make a deal to uh, to uh, to try to curb that mischief. And so, as the players make their way there, they discover that the hag and the deals that it has made has turned itself into a has made um unwitting guards of the people of ten towns has made deals that that now there are the townsfolk are, are like hold on there's more dealings that i gotta do with that hag i gotta go up there i can't let you go up there so now there's like a a a humanoid versus humanoid uh interaction in there um and it's about a 15 page adventure um and that is without art or maps or anything else like that because i have yet to get to that spot um i haven't released this adventure yet i just recently finished the um the uh, short draft uh, uh, uh the 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 first draft of it because like this was a adventure that I had been working on for I want to say six months thereabout, and working on it is too kind a word. It it was dropped for a good period of time because uh, I so I start I started it with um, with the uh, RPG uh, uh, writers workshop. Um, uh, uh, if you haven't he heard of them, they do some, do some pretty fantastic stuff. Um, uh, di di directed by Ashley Warren, um, uh, uh, one of the writers for Rhyme of the, of the Frostmaiden, amongst many, many, many other titles. Uh, um, uh, uh, she helps people in the community write their first uh, RPG ad adventure. Um, and so I was like, great. I want to do this. I want to break into this field. So I jumped in there. Unfortunately for me, November was an awful time for me. Like, as everyone knows, like we had the election happen during there. We were still in COVID. I had some drama in my personal life. And to make it all worse, my, uh, my father passed during that time period as well. My condolences. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, so I ended up just dropping the the um, uh, the workshop. I so wanted to keep up with it, but I just couldn't emotionally. So thankfully, a couple months later, I'm in college going through classes i take a uh, a publication class and i talk to my professor and say hey i have this piece that i'm trying to publish can i work on this for the final project and bless her heart she said yes that's really cool yeah she she was kind of like uncertain about it because like like this is a program that's mostly for fiction nonfiction, and poetry um uh, but she was like, this is kind of a format that I'm not used to. And she went home that night and 
her son showed up and she was like, hey, son, do you know anything about Dungeons and Dragons? And I wish that I could thank this man because I feel like he sold her on it. So I was able to devote time and energy to this project to, to, to really get it to where I want it. And so now fast forward, I, 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 I turn it in for, for class. I, I have the short draft done. I, I'm now in, in a spot where like, I need to get art for it. I need to get maps for it. I need to do any further edits to it. There's a, there's a couple like slight plot edits that's like, oh, I want to tweak that just a little bit there. But I just have this hype of like, I got something that if I really wanted to, I could just put it out there. Probably not very profitable, but I feel like I could put it out there. People would run it. People would have fun. Um, um, well, and it, it seems kind of like uh, when you can't finish writing your D&D adventure because of college homework, just make your college homework your D&D adventure. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I joked about more or less exactly that with my girlfriend. And so life worked out well there. No, that's, um, that's really cool. I, I think yeah. that that's a, a great way. I think it's also kind of cool that you're you bring something a little out of the box to your teacher. And that I, I love when those kinds of things work out where you mm. get a teacher that is willing to be open and accepting of something that's in the same vein because it is publishing like it. Yeah. Th there are tons of published, established D&D &D adventure all the way up to the official stuff, you know, and right. and I think that that can maybe even give them something that they can learn about and learn about and offer that as an option. Cause I'm sure there's tons of, you know, college kids that come through thinking somewhere in the back of their mind that that would be something they might eventually want to do someday or have thought about before, but just didn't think was an option in the class. So they write a fantasy novel based on their D and D adventures instead of thinking that they have the option to write a D and D adventure for class. Right, right. And as I've gone through that, a lot of the publication stuff for the for prose, for poetry, to um, magazines, it is very much the same systems that are in place for like if you're going to publish like like try to publish to Cobalt Press or um or any other um, uh, a group that, that publishes um, uh, tabletop RPG works and has a website that they take submissions through it. Um, DMs Guild and Drive-Thru Drive RPG, those are a little bit of an anomaly for that, thing, uh, that idea, um, which is wonderfully uh, very, uh, 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 special, <clears throat> excuse me, which are wonderfully very special to our community. Um, 
Yeah, there's not as there are places that offer similar types of stuff for for fiction and nonfiction even, but I think some of that it that market is almost a little bit saturated because you can you know publish through Amazon self publishing or there's a ton of other kind of smaller workhouses, but I think that the uh, the amount of consolidation that there is is kind of both a blessing and a curse because on the one hand everyone is on DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG. But on the other hand, because they're very well established, there's a lot of information and guides and people that are, that can help. Whereas some of these other smaller sites for for other types of works, uh, you've you've really got to kind of break into those communities, and it can be hard even knowing which one to pick. Yes, yes, like the tabletop RPG community, like I found is just so helpful so so vibrant um we, this is a group of of people which we have collectively agreed that we all want to make fun stories and we want to work together and it is just such a wonderful thing to be a part of yeah, I think the the very nature of it being a cooperative storytelling experience means that the community is kind of lends itself to being a cooperative kind yes. of life experience, right? Yeah, it's it makes people want to work together, want to support each each other. Not saying that like in other work uh, uh, lines of work that people don't want to support each other. But I will say, being an author, you often type your manuscript, you send it off, and it's a very solitary experience. You work with right. an editor, maybe a little bit, but then you 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 are just expecting one person to read your work at a time rather than to interact. Right. But yeah. And even just the style of writing, having to write options. Like if you go the combat route, this is the the stat block. If you go the diplomacy route, these are the things that might work, and mm -hmm. and having to have options for every because because in you know like a fiction piece, what you say is what happens, and that's yeah. the only yeah. way that it can happen because it everything else afterwards relies on that. But in a in a an adventure module, there there have to be some options available for players to take. A slightly different path even within the confines of a something smaller like a one shot yeah i've found that a lot of my word count would just kind of go up as i approach the same situation but like okay if the players don't want to kill the goblin but instead they want to work with the goblin what's that going to be like and it's a radical you got to learn where you just gotta say i'm gonna stop it i'm just gonna hand this over to the dm to decide what they're going to do with the goblin, what they're going to decide for that goblin's motivation to be. Because you could it, write. Oh, it could go. Whole, it could just be an infinite. <laughs> yeah. But you I think it's also good that you've got a lot of experience running. Um, it, it's one thing to run like largely homebrew and try to write adventures from that. But mm -hmm. I think in the same way that, like you said, like to be a better writer, to be well read, I think to be a better adventure guide writer uh, or one shot writer to 
read and play through other one shots and adventures and find out Mm. what is stuff that it's missing that feels like it may be an oversight. Like sometimes you may, you don't want to go down the infinite rabbit hole, but if it's not a straight up combat encounter, having a non-combat option could be a good thing. And so making sure you include some of that or how far down the rabbit hole do other authors go from, from the published stuff down to, you know, what you can find and pick up either for, for free or through, you know, uh, paid for and subscription type services and stuff. Yeah. For, um, for an example in there, um, with, uh, MC DMs, uh, are, are Arcadia. I'm thinking of specifically their shard of Dawn adventure, which feels like it's should be such a longer, um, uh, uh, uh piece yet. It is concise. You get a very clear picture of what goes on there. You get character. You get personality f- from those who are in there. And yet you don't have maps. You, d- you only have like two stat blocks in the entire thing. So it's, it's very cool to see what all a author might choose to put in there what an author might decide to cut like really just deciding what's fat and what's meat that's really cool it it got me thinking that you know i might write something you know similar to that because it it is a lot of work to write a full-blown adventure Mm -hmm. and then on on the flip side you can find books of like 100 adventure hooks but there's not a lot of stuff that's in the middle where it's like this is not a full-blown adventure but contains enough puzzle pieces for you to make an adventure out of and maybe Uh a few different ideas for an adventure that you could run and more like a kind of like a lego kit adventure kind of thing where yeah it's a, a small smattering of a little bit of everything and then you hand it to a dm and say what kind of like you something that you would get a different adventure for every dm that runs it even if they all use the same content, right? Yeah, like I've been uh, reading um, a lot of of uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, and oh my god, every single Dread Realm in there, just the the ideas just spiral off, and I I have like many month long ad adventures that I just so want to 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 run now that they have paved the road, but like my adventure will be nothing like anyone else's just cause like they don't say, hey, you gotta go through these steps. These are the things that you gotta hit. Yeah, and I think that that, that lends itself, but but also giving you enough material that you still feel like you can run something competently without yeah. necessarily having to handhold you through every step of the way. Yeah. I've been having a desire recently to... So this is a little bit off topic, but but it's, it's going to be roped right back in. Um, uh, it's, I've been having a desire to, to, to read more and more of like Norse mythology and... And uh, and uh, Celtic mm, mythology, just because like there's a lot of small ideas in there that that 
branch out into such big trying to find the exact words here but like well there's, there's a, lot a lot of really of, like, there's a lot of big branching stories in mythology that yeah, all kind of interconnect yeah and like so like i've it, in short like i've been wanting to read that more odds uh, and then to bring it into my own writing as a creator as a author um Well, and I think that that's, yeah. there's a there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. I think that the, the great thing about a lot of mythology is that it's it's sparse enough. Like like we don't have necessarily the full records because a lot of it was kind of oral tradition, and so there's a lot of room to insert our own mythos into it or retell it, like things like American Gods or things like that where you can build upon established mythologies. There's also a lot of, you know, stories that there's a lot of retelling of stories and a lot of, you know, cliches or whatever in narration. But I think there are a lot of really interesting narratives in uh, older mythologies like Celtic North Norse mythology and even some Egyptian mythology that if you rebranded them a little bit would feel very fresh. And I think that there are a lot of you know, interesting plot lines and things that we can kind of, you know, adapt or transform and make a new work from that. I think, you know, kind of using them as a foundation for inspiration, whether it be in D&D or in fiction is both a, a very good idea. Yes, exactly. Like the tradition feels very like you can piece a lot of it together. Just kind of think about because it, like it's these things like you got the myths that are their own building blocks and then each teller tells them in their own way a little bit differently and it sounds quite familiar to an experience that every tabletop nerd has experienced yep mm. you've got you've got a bunch of one shots that make a grand campaign <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I would love to kind of hit on a couple of other things here. Sure. Uh, it wouldn't be Dungeons and Dinners if we didn't talk about uh, your relation to cooking and food. So yeah. um, I, I believe that uh, I may have seen or heard mentioned uh, that you, at least um, during the not COVID times, uh, enjoy providing uh, snacks and or meals to your players. Is that true? Yeah, um, so th there was a a period of time before COVID hit, and now that we are after COVID, we're we're, we're picking back up with that. But um, every session, like we like to go hard. We play for about eight hours at a time, which to me feels about right. And and like always, we can get more time in there. But then like I, I go on Twitter and I see other people are like, hey. Four hours is a long session for us. But so with us um, us going for that long and with our players at that point in time, we lived in the city adjacent to them. We wanted to thank them for driving down every week. So we would buy food, we would cook food. Um, uh, and we would do sometimes very extreme very extravagant meals. Sometimes we would just go to the Little Caesars uh, up 
pizza around the corner. Um, there is no shame in a little Caesars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so uh, we have cooked uh, uh, like uh, garlic uh, 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 potato uh, potato noodle and dumpling soups uh, of uh, for. Uh, for for sections we have oh man that had, sounds good <laughs> it it is so good like every time i get done eating that it, i just want to say hey can we make this again tomorrow right <laughs> uh, but yeah like like we have had had crock pot um um uh uh, uh a roast beef uh uh uh, uh dinners we we've had just simple spaghetti uh and that's all, like every single session like we provide food to our our pool layers now now that we are past covid and we have moved to a much closer area like uh we, we have changed it to me and my girlfriend uh, uh, uh buying the food to just like hey let's have a a a, a hat where everyone just throws some dollars into and then we'll figure that out as we go. Yeah, it's a, uh, it is one of those things. I mean, you know, Dungeons and Dares. I've I've talked on some episodes before. It kind of was born from uh, multiple chefs playing in the same D and D game, and and so we all started kind of competing for cooking the most extravagant meals <laughs> during our D and D sessions. But it it started turning into more dinners and less dungeons. <laughs> because, <laughs> So I, as we got to a point where it's like, what would happen if we just ordered food for a night? Could we maybe get through a combat encounter? Like, <laughs> it can be nice. Yes. Um. So, I mean, you, you've already gone through and mentioned uh, a couple of pretty extravagant meals um, that are now making me uh, rather hungry. Mm. So um, I, I, I don't want to necessarily cut this short or anything, but... Uh, we may have to get into a couple more topics on Patreon, but before we do, I want to make sure to offer the floor to you. And uh, if there are any topics that you uh, would like to bring up, any any notes that you want to hit uh, before uh, we sign off and and save a little bit for the the after show, then the floor is open to you. Um. Well, uh, a little bit of some. Uh, to start off, a, a little bit of some uh, shameless uh, self promo. Um, yeah. Uh, if uh, to our dear listeners, um, uh, if you have enjoyed what I've been saying, if you've been wanting, like, if you want to see those miniatures that I talked about at the start of the, of the show, if you want to read um, any of the um, the adventures that I that I am about to put out or will put out in the future, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Ryan Miniatures. Um, uh, I would very much love the support. I aim to break into the freelance world that is uh, the creator side of tabletop rpgs um and at very worst if you follow me on twitter specifically you will eventually like every so often find 
uh, I put out a, a homebrew monster out, out there. Um, one that I can think of specifically is for our fans of Castlevania, the uh, Netflix series. I made the um, uh, stats for the bat demon that, um, uh, that, uh, that Dracula uh, has it attacked the, the, the town. I wanted to say Strahd there. Um, the easy one to, it's an easy one to do. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the same guy. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, other than that, I don't know if I have much more to just add that wouldn't turn into a whole long tangent of its own we'll save the tangent for the patreon for subscribers sure. then yeah <laughs> all right Sounds well we'll good. have links for your instagram and twitter uh in down in the show notes and uh i do want to thank you so much for coming on your miniatures are gorgeous um i uh i'm not super active on instagram but i did make sure to just go over there and sub and i encourage our listeners to as well um we've of course been together on twitter for for a while now so Mm -hmm. i I try to pick up your your comments here and there and uh so once again thank you so much griffin for for joining me on the show today yes thank you so much for having me uh it's been a blast uh, this is my first ever podcast that I've hey. done, so it has been an experience. Good. I'm glad we could do it. So thank you so much. And to the rest of our listeners out there, uh, for $5 a month, you can get access to all of the minisodes and kind of after dark content that we do. So head on over there and uh, we'll get to it. So thank you. Thank you. So that's all for the episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. All of the links and contact information discussed can be found down in the show notes. And if you want to keep in touch with me, you'll find me most active on Twitter at AndDinners. That's A-N-D-D-I-N-N-E-R-S. If you're interested in supporting the show or interested in getting access to the entire backlog of exclusive bonus episodes like today's special episode with Griffin, or if you just want to help keep the podcast ad-free in general, consider tossing me a few coins over to patreon.com slash Dinners. If you're looking for other great podcasts to listen to, check out my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks. It's a long-form podcast about why video gaming matters, hosted by myself and my dear friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.